Matthew chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16, let's get into the Word of God together. Verse 33 says, Now when Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. I want to talk tonight on this thought, the vulnerability of invisibility. The vulnerability of invisibility. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing men and women that came out tonight to be in your house. They're hungry. They're hungry for the Word of God. They're hungry for a word from you. And Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here tonight to work in a powerful way. We pray that you would overtake us and you would overshadow us and you would minister to every one of us tonight. Work with me, God, to not just preach another night on another Sunday night. But Lord God, let it be a word in season. We thank you that your word never returns void. You always have an agenda. I believe you have an agenda for everyone who showed up tonight. And so do what only you can do. We leave it in your hands in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Uh, I struggle with uh, test anxiety. Anybody else struggle with a bit of test anxiety? Uh, I've, I've been trying to track it down. Where did that enter into my life? And I, I, I believe that it probably entered in about third or fourth grade when the teachers decided it would be a good idea to take small vulnerable children, stand them up in front of their peers at the front of the class and do the math times table race, where the teacher asks a mathematical equation and then has students race to see who can solve that equation the fastest. It's a horrible moment in my life. And I, I remember Dennis. Dennis's brain was like a supercomputer. I mean, his hand would go up so fast, it'd break the sound barrier. I mean, she'd ask a question, five times five, he'd say, and then, like two seconds later, you'd hear the sound of his hand going up, and he'd be like, 25, five times five, 25. It's like a super community. He's like someone who had a Pfizer vaccine in a 5G network. That's how fast his brain, his brain would work. My brain, on the other hand, was more like a sloth on melatonin. She's asking the question. Like. So I learned I had to scam the answer. So she'd be like five times five. I go, Whoa! And she'd be like, what? So I'd be like, uh, I believe, miss, you asked the, uh, the question five, which if I remember correctly is a prime number multiplied by itself, it's also a prime number, so I'm rolling with the answer to that equation, 5 times 5 is 25. She's so hard, she's so hard, could you imagine being, like I never liked Dennis, hated Dennis. Could you imagine going to school with Jesus? Like, I love Jesus. 
but I don't think I would have loved Jesus if I went to school with Jesus. Could you imagine being in the times table relay with Jesus? 25! Five times five is 25! Yes, Jesus, that is the answer to the question. Next time, can you wait till I ask it before you answer the question? I would have liked to go into a Christian school. A Christian school would have been cool because then you could have just answered, especially a Pentecostal Christian school. You could just answer in tongues and then just say, I believe the Holy Spirit gave you the interpretation. That would have been... So, that, so, so, so you, can, you can sort of like understand when Jesus is asking the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? You can understand there's probably some test anxiety in the disciples right now. Because n- number one, they're being asked a question. Number two, they're being asked a question by somebody in authority. Because there's only one thing scarier than getting asked a question. It's getting asked a question with someone with authority. It's like, like the teacher asks you a question, but, but like if somebody in authority, like your mother, like if your mother, if your mother asks you a question, that's the scariest thing that can happen. Because I'm not sure there's anybody scarier on the planet than a mother. Maybe not your mother, but my mother, my mother was scary. And she shouldn't be scary because she was small and scrawny. So there should be no humanly possible way my mother could be so intimidating. I'm convinced there's some special ninja mum's school that women get taken off to and taught in the ninja flows of being a mother. Because my mother was the scariest woman. Like, like if I did something wrong, my mother would just banter. You think you're having a birthday? I'm canceling your birthday. No birthdays for you. According to my mother, I'm still 16 right now. I've had so many birthdays canceled. You're at Christmas? No, no Christmas. We're canceling Christmas. Easter? I'll kill Easter Bunny. I'll put him in a blender and drink him. He's done. My mother's a scary woman. And so you can understand here who the men say that I am. You're getting asked a question by Jesus, Son of God. It's not like you can really fudge that. He's all-seeing, all-knowing God. And so you can tell that they're stumbling by their answer. They come up with, some say John the Baptist. That's a crazy answer. Because John the Baptist is only six months older than Jesus, and he just died. He was beheaded. They think that Jesus is a resurrected John the Baptist. Like, that doesn't even make sense. Then they started getting spiritual. They started getting hold. Oh, we believe you. Maybe you're Elijah. Or Jeremiah, like, like this, maybe one of the Old Testament. My, my favorite answer is the answer that they give that's no answer. It's the guy that totally freaked out and just said, ah, one of the prophets. <laughs> like we're not even sure which one. Oh, there's plenty of prophets. Slot yourself in. You know that, like when has one of the been an answer for anything? I'm going to do my citizenship test for become a U.S. citizen in a few months, and I'm studying for that. And can you just imagine if they like who discovered America? Uh, Columbus, uh, Captain Cook, uh, Dora, or one of the explorers? I mean, it's like can you imagine using that at school? Five times five. One of the numbers. It's a whole heap. Slot one in. Give me an A+. plus. Let's move on from here. You, you know these guys are freaking out. Peter answered him and says, Bless, he says this. He says, uh, 
But who do you say that I am? He, he goes from who do men say, and then he personalizes it and says, but who do you say? Simon Peter replied to him and said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. This becomes a very, very pointed question. Jesus responds to him and says, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. He says, Peter, you are, you've, you've actually experienced something now that's life-transforming. You, you've moved from who everybody else said to who do you say. And, and, and a moment ago, you were in the category of everybody else. But something has happened to you, Peter. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. He goes, because flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed this to you. In other words, Peter, you've been sailing on in life with a concept shaped by what everybody else said. But right now in this moment, you've experienced a supernatural change where my Father in heaven has opened up your eyes and you've seen me for who I really am. That, that, that experience there is how you and I get saved. We, we grow up through our life with a concept of who Jesus was. And I don't know what your concept of Jesus was or what it is today, but I know my concept of Jesus wasn't somebody I wanted to hang out with. My concept of Jesus was shaped by religious people. I remember my first church experience going to church and, 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 and they told me all the things that I, I couldn't do. I couldn't smoke, I couldn't drink, I, I couldn't party, I couldn't watch TV, I, 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 I couldn't listen to music. They, they gave me a tape on backmasking, which was a, a thing that they taught that if you play songs backwards, they have a hidden satanic message. <laughs> Frontwards, the song goes, another one bites the dust, eh, but backwards it goes, it's for more marijuana. Can you hear it? It says it's fun to smoke marijuana. There was a Beatles song. There was a Beatles song. Frontwards, the words was number nine, number nine. Backwards, it said, turn me on the bed, turn me on the bed. Can you hear it? Turn me on dead man. I burned all my, I had burned all my, I had, I had vinyls. I burned all my vinyls. And I had some pretty demonic stuff. I had, I had an ABBA album. Because when you play ABBA backwards, it says, ABBA. And so my concept of Jesus was like he was angry and ticked off and no fun. And he's like he wanted to take a vacuum cleaner and suck all the, the life out of your life and just make you boring and bland. And so I, 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 but, but what changed for me was my personal revelation of who Jesus was. It was that moment went away from what other people said he was to who I, who, who, do, who do men say that I am? They all had an opinion and they were all wrong. But who do you say? And then in an instant, Peter's life changed around. He, he says this to him. He says, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, but flesh and blood haven't revealed this, but my Father who is in heaven, and I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus plays on words here. He says, you are, you are, you are Peter. You are, you are a little stone. That's what his name meant. 
You are a little stone. You are a little rock. Right now, Peter, you're, you're vulnerable. You can get kicked to the curb. People can easily manipulate you. You can be moved from one thing to the other. You have no great stability. He goes, you are Peter, but on this rock. And then he changes the word, and that word means bedrock or cliff face. He says, what happens here, Peter, what's happened to you right now, this revelation, this change has changed you. You, you've gone from someone who's easily manipulated, easily kicked around, easily, you know, easily, you know, I- impacted to somebody that's solid and strong and immovable. It, it, there's a miracle that's happened here. He says, and on this rock, on this transformation, I'm going to build my church. And then he goes on and says that I'm going to give you the keys of heaven and I'm going to give you authority. Authority comes in that revelation of Jesus. Now, 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 some people teach uh, and some churches have taught that when Jesus is speaking about on this rock, I'll build my church, that the scripture is saying that Jesus would build his church on Peter. But Peter is not the subject. If, if Jesus had turned to the disciples and said, hey, guys, who do you say Peter is? Then Peter would be the subject. And then you could give case to Jesus talking about building the church on Peter. But he's not talking about Peter. Peter is not the context or the content. Peter is just a part of what's happening. The context is who is Jesus, and the content is this principle of revelation. The principle of revelation works like this. What is hidden has power. Once it's revealed, the power is released. So Jesus is hidden. The power's in there, and as soon as you get the revelation, as soon as the light comes on and you see him, as soon as he comes out from the darkness into the light in your life, the power is released, and it releases salvation. And it brings you into the kingdom of God, and you become a Christian, and then God fills you with authority and power. We talked about that this morning. Now, now the spiritual principle, Jesus said, I will build my church upon it. That's how we get saved. But the principle of revelation, and I want to talk a little bit about that tonight, is a kingdom principle that when you can understand it, revolutionizes your Christian walk. Most Christians don't understand this principle of revelation. When you understand the principle of revelation, it becomes a powerful weapon in the arsenal of your Christian life. The principle of revelation is when something is hidden, it has power, And when it's revealed, the power is released. Now, there are some things in our Christian life that you want to keep hidden. You want them to gain power, and you want God to reveal it so the power can be released out of it. There are other things in our Christian life that we need to control the releasing. When we know that when it's hidden, it's gaining power, we don't want it to gain power, so we release it to release the power out of it. So here's how how it works. First one would be this, if, if your good works are invisible, stay quiet. If your good works are invisible, shh, don't tell anybody. Because while you're doing good works, they're gaining power. And when, when you reveal them, the power gets let out of that. Jesus put it like this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1 to 6. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, don't sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. 
Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. When you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So here, Jesus teaches us that there are some things in the Christian life that should stay secret. He says when you do good things, when you're you're giving to the poor, when you're serving, when you're praying, when you're doing good things, shh, don't tell anybody. Keep it secret. When you fast, don't let people know, I'm fasting. It's like you to know I'm fasting and I'm praying, seeking the face of the Lord, and I'm reading a lot of Scripture. I want you to know that, how awesome I am. He's like, don't do that, because then people are going to be like, whoa, man, you're awesome. You're incredible. You're like, you're super spiritual. I want to be just like you. He says, that's your reward. That's it. You got your reward. He's like, no, shh, don't tell anybody. Keep it quiet. Just do it in secret. And my father who sees in the secret place, he will reward you openly. The vulnerability of that invisibility is, is the fear that people will not celebrate us. The vulnerability of that invisibility is that people won't accept us or, or, or think we're great or appreciate us. And so what we tend to do is we tend to reveal it and we lose the power of the reward because we're trying to get acceptance or some sort of validation from other people. Here's the second area that you can do. If, if your call, if the call of God feels invisible in your life, stay faithful. You, 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 your opportunity may not have come yet, but, but if God has called you, the only one who can stop the call on your life is you. I, I, I've seen a lot of people get impatient with the, the call of God on their life. Isaiah chapter 49 verse 1 and 2 says, The Lord called me from the womb. So God's called you from the womb. Is there a more secret place than the womb? Now, I know that's not accurate today with scans and stuff like that, but, but in Isaiah's day, was there, in his mind, is there a more secret place than the womb? So from the womb, I've been called. He goes, from the uh, body of my mother, he has named my name. So in that secret place, God's call is on his life. He's made my mouth like a sharp sword. In the shadow of his hand, he's hid me. He's made me like a polished arrow. In his quiver, he has hidden me. So Isaiah is talking about the call of God on his life. Maybe you feel that call of God. Maybe since you were young, you felt like God has called you to ministry or God has called you to some sort of area and it hasn't happened yet. And often in church life, people will bounce from church to church because the pastor doesn't recognize their ministry. Well, God has called me to be a prophet. Well, can you help us sit out the chairs? I'm not sure you heard me. I did not say, for the Lord has called me to be a chair setter outerer. I said, the Lord has called me to be a prophet. 
I want to prophesy in the service. Yeah, well, we don't really need one of those at the moment. How about setting out the chairs? What, what's your catching ministry like? Any chance you can stand out on the sidewalk out there and catch tents as they fly through the air? What are you... Cool thing for you, if you're a prophet, you know it's going to fly through the air in a minute. And you can brace yourself for the catch. He says, he's called me, called me from the mother's womb. And then he says this, in the shadow, in the shadow of his hand, he has hidden me. There's no point trying to get in the limelight if God's got you in the shadow of his hand. And, and, and no one is going to see the call if God's got you in the shadow of his hand. If you're called of God, the shadow of his hand is the safest place for you to be. Now, God didn't call you to mock you. If God's going to, like, like, it's not like God was in heaven and, and, and turned to the angels and it's like, wow, I didn't realize eternity was so long. I need some cheap entertainment. Ha, huh, I know what I shall do. I shall tell people that they have the call on their life but never use them and just watch them go through life frustrated. That would be entertaining and awesome. <laughs> and the angels are like, that's awesome, Lord. Now, if God called you, he wants to use you. He says, I've hidden you in the shadow of my hand. Then he goes, I I've made you a polished arrow. So now you're ready. Now, now, God's, now God's equipped you. He's, he's taken you and made you a part. And then he hid me in the quiver with the other arrows. This is a horrible place to be. Why? Because you're in there with other people that are prepared. And you see the hand of God coming down, grabbing an arrow, but it's not you and shooting somebody else. And then jealousy gets in. And like, why are they being used? Why don't you use me? Do you prefer them over me? Why? I, 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 I'm, I've been here longer. I'm better. I'm this. No, God chooses who he's going to launch. So if you're in the quiver, stay in the quiver. Don't get impatient. The vulnerability of invisibility is that the fear that, that you won't be used by God. But if God called you, He's going to use you. You just have to wait on Him, stay faithful, stay patient, and in due season you'll reap if you don't quit. Another area, if your faithfulness feels invisible, stay connected. You may not feel like anyone notices, but someone notices. I, I don't have time tonight to read the passage. You can read it later in Acts chapter 1. It's a fascinating passage. But the, 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 the pre-church, they're, they're going to launch in a moment, but they're not launched yet. They're getting ready. Jesus has ascended. He's told them to go into all the world. They have an issue. They only have 11 in their leadership of apostles. They're down to 11. Judas is dead, and they need 12. 12 is the number of government. And so they're like, we, we need to replace Judas. So, well, how are we going to replace Judas? Well, here's the qualifications for an apostle. You've got to understand, an apostle, an apostle is a big wig. That's a, that's a, even today, if I walked in and said, yeah, tonight they introduced, we'd like to welcome Apostle John. You'd be so much more impressed than Pastor John. Because the apostle's like, that's a big deal. It's like churches that add the word international at the end of them. <laughs> Makes them sound bigger. 
I want to be known as Apostle John Morgan International. <laughs> just so I just feel better about myself. But an apostle's a big deal. And so they say, hey, we've got an issue. We've, we've got 11. We need 12. How do we replace him? Here's the qualifications. We need someone who's been here since Jesus was baptized by John. They've been a witness of the resurrection, and they've been here at the ascension. So we need someone who's been here since Jesus was baptized through the three years of his ministry. They've seen him on the cross. They've seen him rise from the dead, and they've seen him ascend into heaven. Someone who's been here all that time, and they go, we have two. And they're here right now. Justice and Matthias. We need someone who's been here since the baptism of John, all the way through the ministry, through all the miracles, through the resurrection, to the ascension. Who have we got that fits that? Well, we've got two and they're here now. Now, these guys aren't on the VIP list of Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 lists out everybody that's in the room. Their name is not on the room. Their name's not on the list. In fact, you've never heard of them until this moment. They were there all through the Gospel of Matthew, all through the Gospel of Mark, all through the Gospel of Luke, all through the Gospel of John. And you know how many times they get mentioned in any Gospel? Never. They're never mentioned at the feeding of the 5,000. They're never mentioned at the raising of the dead. They're never mentioned anywhere in any Gospel, but they're always there in the background. And they probably think Matthew didn't notice me, Mark didn't notice me, Luke didn't notice me, John didn't see me. No, someone saw them. It may feel like no one sees you, but they're just there faithfully. They were there when everybody else left because they had a difference of opinion than Jesus. When Jesus made some hard statements and everyone left in multitudes, they stayed. They, they locked in. They never left. When it got difficult, when it got challenging, they didn't leave. When there becomes some confusion, we need to shut our church down for COVID. They weren't leaving because I can't believe you shut the church down for COVID. When we opened the church up after COVID, I can't believe you're opening the church up for COVID. We're like, for a season, you're going to have to wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. When we took the mask off, you hate little children and babies. When all that sort of mess went down, they just stayed faithful. They're like, we don't understand it, but we're going to stay faithful. They may have thought, no one notices me, but someone notice him. The vulnerability of that invisibility is that we fear that we're unwanted. We fear that we're unnoticed. And we fear that we're not needed. Does anybody notice my serving? And there's always somebody that notices. You may not feel like anybody sees you, but somebody sees you. And in that moment, they went from being a nobody to being an apostle of the early church. Just why? Just because they were faithful. Why? Just because they kept showing up. Why? Because when the moment was needed, they were there. Here's the last thought. If you feel like your sin is invisible, stay honest. You may feel like you're getting away with it, but it's only gaining power. In, in those other three areas, you're better to keep it invisible and let God reveal it. But in this area, you're, you're better to reveal it than to keep it invisible. The, the natural response to sin 
is to hide it. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and they sinned, all of a sudden, it, they, 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 felt, they felt vulnerable. Why? Because the sin, when it, was, when it was done, created a judgment light to come on them. And all of a sudden, they feel absolutely exposed and naked. And so they go and hide themselves from the presence of God. God comes into the garden looking for them. Adam, Eve, where are you? And they're like, we're over here hiding behind the bush. And God's like, why are you hiding behind the bush? Because we're in the Nicky Nudie. <laughs> Who told you you were in the Nicky Nudie? <laughs> what were they doing? They're hiding because they feel vulnerable, because they feel, they feel exposed, because it's a horrible place. And so, so then you've got to hide. You've got to cut every, all these other things down. It, it, it's a little bit like this. And it, I don't know if you've ever been around Christians that are unbelievably attacking on everybody else. And they attack every other church and every other person. They pull everybody else down. And, and, and they present themselves as ultra-spiritual. Just 30-something years of ministry. Anytime someone's like that, my first response is, I wonder what they're hiding. I wonder what they're covering up. I wonder what, I wonder what, I wonder what sort of messed up stuff is behind that curtain. Because when you're in sin, you've got to chop something else down to cover up your sin. Because your life gets on this exposure to judgment. So I feel judging, and so now I'm exposed. I've got to cut something down to cover me up. And then when you sin and you hide it, it just gains power. It's just gaining power. The, the scripture says here in the book of 1, chapter, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In James chapter 5, verse 16, he says, therefore confess your sins one to another and pray for another that you may be healed. Bible says in the book of Luke, nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. Whatever you have whispered in private rooms shall be claimed on the housetops. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces their sins finds mercy. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's with your heart that you are believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess and you're saved. You, you You've got to come to the place where you say, I'm struggling. Can I have somebody come up and play something romantic on the keyboard? Just help me out here. If you're new to church, we do this deliberately. This is a, this is a deliberate thing. Now when he plays something soft behind me, everything I say now is going to sound spiritual. Some of you that have been in church a long time, you're like, come on, bro, get to the meat of the word. We're done with the jokes, but with a little bit of music. Everything sounds spiritual. And some of you who have ADHD, you're like, when's he going to finish? When's he going to finish? When's he going to finish? And we play this music and it's like, ah. it's almost like fistfuls of Ritalin to the soul. It's just, Jesus taught us, when you do good works, shh. 
when you sin, get it out in the open. We flipped it. We flipped it. We tell everybody how good we are and never tell anybody what we're struggling with. It's so bad in the church, forget about confessing sin, we can't even confess temptation. And temptation is not sin. The Bible says Jesus was tempted in all ways. So, so we can't even tell, hey man, I was really tempted in this area. Oh, I can't believe it. No, but we've got to get to that point where we can listen to someone's temptation Listen to someone struggle. Love them enough as they get it out in the light to bring healing rather than bringing judgment. The vulnerability of invisibilities, if you don't get it out in the light, it's going to destroy you. But before we close out, I want to pray with you. Because Jesus said this. He says, forgive me my sins. Listen to this. As I forgive those who have what? Here's what I found in life. It's hard enough for me to confess the sins I've done and get them out in the open. Even, even though sin will have power while it's hidden and grow in me. Let me take it one step further. What about the sins that were done to you? Same principle. So the sin that's been done to you, someone abused you when you were four. And they told you, if you tell anybody, I'll hurt your brother. You tell anybody, I'll, I'll hurt you. And then you took that sin against you and you hid it. And you've never revealed it. You've never talked about it. Someone messed with you when you were 16 and you felt so embarrassed about that. You just couldn't bring yourself to ever telling it. And you, you hid it deep in your soul. But while it's hidden, it has power. And equally as true, at somebody sins themselves needs to get it out. When someone sins against you, you need to get it out in the open. It's a little bit like when Lazarus, Jesus was trying to raise Lazarus from the dead and he told Mary and Martha, roll the stone away. And they're like, we don't want to roll the stone away. Why? Because it smells in there. That's, that's how we get trapped with our sin. We don't want to roll the stone away because we feel like no one can handle the smell, the vileness of what was done. And so we live our whole life as a prisoner to our past. I have family members that were abused in their teens and didn't talk about it until their 60s. For decades, hid that thing in their life, never got it out, and it controlled. I, I have friends of mine that destroyed their marriage because they become a prisoner to what somebody did when they were young. They never got it out, and it impacted them. And then that person who did that to them not only hurt them, but hurt their children and their family. There's a power that comes in revealing it. Now, I'm not telling you that if that's your story, to go and just talk to some random person tonight. If that's your story, if God's speaking to you right now, this church has incredible loving, caring leadership team and structure. And so your first step would be to go to them and say, oh, I need some help. You, you can't do that journey on your own. That, that, that has the ability to blow up and become more painful than you know. But if there are areas in your life that have been done to you or areas of your life that you've done, that you've never come to the point of saying, there's mess in my life, I want to encourage you, roll the stone away and let the power of revelation come. 
Because while it's hidden, it has power. When it's revealed, the power of the sin is released and God's power of love can flow. God's power of grace can flow. God's power of healing can flow. God's power of liberty can flow. God's power of freedom can flow. And who the Son sets free is free indeed.